Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Seekers Hub podcast, a regular offering of inspiring and relevant sacred knowledge. Please visit us at www.seekershub.org for more information on our online academy, reliable answers service, and engaging media. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuhu. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Lahi Rabbil Alameen. وأفضل الصلاة وأتم التسليم على سيد المرسلين سيدنا ونبينا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين والتابعين لهم بإحسان وهدى إلى يوم الدين اللهم فقهنا في الدين وعلمنا التأويل وألهمنا رشدنا يا رب العالمين Alhamdulillah. One of the things that the companions noticed about the Prophet ﷺ was that though the Messenger of Allah ﷺ was sent to guide humanity, was sent to guide creation to the Creator, he spoke very little. He spoke less than his companions in his gatherings with them. And the beloved messenger wasallam, was lengthy of silence as the works of Shama'il describe. The messenger wasallam, would spend a lot of time when he was seated looking towards the ground and they describe in the works of Shama'il that his looking towards the ground, his looking towards the earth was more lengthy and more frequent than his looking towards the sky. But he also used to frequently look towards the sky silently. Amongst these it, cases of looking towards the sky is a neglected sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, related by Imam Muslim and others, that the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, when he used to get up for his night worship, after making wudu, and before beginning his prayer, he would ﷺ, look towards the sky. And he would recite the closing verses of Surat Ali Imran, the third surah from verse 190 to 200 that begins, Truly, in the createdness of the heavens and the earth, and the alternation of night and day, are numerous signs. For those of insight. Who are those who can understand the signs of Allah? And what is an ayah? An ayah is something, a sign, is something that has signification. It's something that has meaning. But the ayah, a sign, points to that which is signified. 
An ayah of Allah is that which points you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in, in the createdness or in the creating of the heavens and the earth and the alternation of night and day are numerous, countless signs. Things pointing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? هَذَا خَلْقُ اللَّهِ This is the creating of Allah. But who gets that? Who gets that? أُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ Those of insight, those who have a lub. Right? And it's from this that Imam al-Ghazali radiallahu ta'ala anhu mentions that faith is like a walnut, for example, or any kind of nut. It has an outward shell, which is the beliefs themselves. If you don't have that, you won't have anything. But the nut has a flesh, right? which is the substance of your faith. The nature of how you turn by your faith to Allah and His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But that faith has an essence. It has a lub, has a lub, an essence, right? which is that consciousness within, that closeness to Allah, that closeness to the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. How is that acquired, though? The verses continue right? that there. The heavens and the earth and alternation of night and day contain numerous signs for the people of insight. لِأُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ الَّذِينَ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Those who reflect on the creating of the heavens and the earth. Those who reflect. This is the quality of those who see the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who become thereby conscious of Allah, people of substance. Right? Without the essence, all you have is empty shells. Right? Without the essence, all you have is empty shells. And the walnut is not of much use if there's nothing inside it. Right? And a, a nut that has dried out completely, it has no oil inside is not worth tasting. Likewise, faith, it is only nurtured if one reflects. Faith is only nurtured if one reflects. So firstly, practically, this is a sunnah of our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that we should embrace and uphold. That if when we get up for our night worship, we should strive to recite these verses. If not every night, then whenever it's facilitated. The closing verses of Surah Al-Imran from verse 190 to 200. And reflect on their meanings. You could say, well, I haven't memorized them. Keep a bookmark. I keep a bookmark. So that when you get up, you read it. Say, well, if I'm reading it, I can't look to the sky. Well, read it, pause, look at the sky. Read it, pause, look at the sky. Once in a while, read the translation. Say, what, what if I don't get up for night worship? Right? 
Sometimes we forget that we're dealing with the most generous. If you intended to read it for night worship, but you got up for Fajr, and if you recited these verses, and if you reflected, do you think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, no, I'm not going to give you that benefit? No. Sometimes we forget that we're dealing with Arham al-Rahimim, the most merciful of the merciful. And it's recorded for you as according to your intention. So the specific sunnah is to do this when one gets up during the night, meaning before Fajr. But if one is striving to bring night worship into one's life, and one is not able to, do it when you can. Which is also a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Sayyidina Aisha relates that if the Messenger of Allah ﷺ was not able at night to perform something of his night routine, he would perform it after sunrise. Because sometimes there's so much going on that the Prophet ﷺ would be in discussion with Abu Bakr deep into the night. Sometimes he would be traveling through the night on some of the expeditions. And traveling at night in the desert is very dangerous. Because all kinds of things come out at night. But the Prophet ﷺ, this is an essential part of his sunnah, that he would be actively in reflection at night, but also in, during the day. When he sat, he would be lengthy of silence. He wouldn't ostensibly not be doing anything, but he would be in reflection. Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib, karramallahu wajha, was asked by his own son, and it's an amazing hadith, because the grandsons of the Prophet al-Hasan and al-Husayn, who grew up close to the Messenger of Allah Yet, they would compete with each other to learn more about the Prophet And this was a good competition. Because they tried to outdo each other. So sometimes, they would ask their father extra things. And they would look for the right moment to share it with each other. And sometimes... Sayyidina Al-Hussein would find something and he'd tell Sayyidina Al-Hassan, say, oh, I already asked our father about this. And vice versa. And they used to go to companions who were not closer than them to the Prophet ﷺ and ask, tell us something about the Messenger ﷺ. Because the lover never finds sufficiency from the one they love. Right? I've seen her enough. No. If someone really loves their wife, their husband, they don't say, yeah, I've seen her. No, you, you want, the lover always wants to be with the beloved. Well, so what about the truly beloved? Sallallahu alayhi wa sahbihi wa sallam. So, when Sayyidina Ali was asked by his own son about the silence of the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Sayyidina Ali He'd already thought about it. And he said, His silence was for four reasons. And he explained each of them. He listed four reasons. And for each reason, he gave an explanation. Why? And you won't find any hadith that's saying, I am silent for four reasons. And one of the reasons the Prophet ﷺ was silent, according to Sayyidina Ali, and the most obvious was, that he was silent in reflection and consideration. 
in tafakkur any i'tibar in reflecting on the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but also reflecting on his responsibility sallallahu alayhi wasallam reflecting on how to be of benefit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation and then you see that reflection in Sayyidina Ali karramallahu wajha when he was asked he didn't have to think about it because he's already reflected on it that he saw the Prophet ﷺ silent. He didn't ask, why are you silent? He thought deeply about it. And he had four reasons, and each of the reasons had explanations, and this has two aspects, and this has three. Amazing. Right? And this is something that we need to do as believers. That in order to nurture our iman, we have to slow down a little bit. Very often we're rushed, but it is just delusion. Because when you rush, you don't go any faster. But when you rush, you lose meanings. We walk, and, inst- and instead of reflecting on what matters, we do something else. We worry. I wonder how the interview will go. Right? You're going to a job interview. W- wondering about how the interview will go, will it help you make the interview go better? No, it'll actually stress you out more. Right? Excessive, excessive thinking about worldly matters is detrimental. Both spiritually, excessive thinking about worldly matters is detrimental both spiritually and emotionally because it increases your stress. There's a certain amount of thinking that you need to do. You have a job interview coming, you prepare for it, you're ready for it, you anticipate what kind of questions they're likely to ask. But then what do you do? We go from concern to worry. That worry part won't make any won't make things better. Whether it's your job interview or someone's going to the grocery store and they'll say, I wonder if they have the organic milk. Will wondering about it facilitate it to be there? No. I go, you know, my mother is a pan eater and pan is one of those touch and go things. You don't, it's not always there in the grocery stores. But if you can't find it, mothers and aunties aren't always most reasonable. That it wasn't there. Like, I didn't make it not there. But you wonder. I wonder if the pan is there. And you're thinking about it. What do I do if the pan is not there? All that worrying, it won't help the pan get there. Right? You take the means. You go, get, look for pan, look for samosas for the family gathering, or whatever. But that extra worry, this is reflection time. This is time to reflect on the things that matter. And this applies to all kinds of things. We're waiting for a meeting at work. We're driving. If you're in the GTA and it's rush hour, turning on the news about the traffic is kind of silly. What's the traffic like going what's the traffic going to be like at 4 o'clock, 4:30, 5:30? 
you're on the 401 or the QEW, you know it. Right? So you, you, you check the traffic and then forget it. This is not time for, for worry and it's not time for useless things. If it doesn't benefit, cut it out. Rather, spend that time reflecting on what matters. What does one reflect on? The first thing one reflects on is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Himself, His attributes, right? His majesty, His beauty, His perfection, His mercy. Right? You reflect on His creation. Anything that your eyes are set upon is Allah's creating. هَلْ مِنْ خَالِقٍ غَيْرُ اللَّهِ Is there a creator except Allah? So you reflect on that, both in the tangible creation around you, but also in the reality that all that is happening, all that is happening in your life and around you, it is by the creating of Allah. Instead of worrying about the job appointment, uh, the job interview, that... I wonder if they'll ask difficult questions or hard questions. What is the person who's interviewing you? Who, what are they? They are Allah's creation. What questions will they ask you? It is all created by Allah. And if you realize that, would you fear the job, the, the job interview or the interviewer? Would you be worried about the questions? No. Because there's no ability nor power except by Allah. Right? So you reflect. This reflection is empowering. Because you it causes you to have no worry and no fear. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes his righteous servants. This is just a glimpse of the state of the Messenger. We know the case when. He was resting وسلم, against a tree on a journey. And the Arabs, if they're stopping briefly in the desert and you're not setting camp and so on, they'd hang their swords, their, their daggers on trees. Because if you leave it on the ground, it'll, the ground's burning hot. So they rested a little bit on a journey, they'd hang their swords. The Prophet ﷺ, or they'd rest it against the tree if it gave enough shade. So the Prophet ﷺ was leaning his noble, blessed back against a tree. And the desert Arab took the sword. And when the Prophet's eyes opened, the desert Arab was pointing the weapon at the Prophet. ﷺ. He said, Many asimuka minni. Who will protect you from me? Now, if, if, if we paused our lives, right, this is a sword. All it requires is a flick of the wrist and you've slit the person's neck. They've just woken up. You've got the winning position against them. But the Prophet ﷺ is not like that. He just looked at the man and said, Allah. Why? Because that is faith that is alive in the heart. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's messenger right, is Muhammadun Basharun Walaysa Kal Bashari. Bal huwa 
Muhammad is human, but not like mere humans. He is a precious ruby, and others mere stones, as the poet said. But the underlying meaning, right, that we need to nurture that faith. And the Prophet showed us the ways. At night, there is as much merit to reflecting at night as there is in worship. Kaab al-Qurathi, one of the early Muslims, he said that for me to spend my night worship just reciting surat, a few short surahs, like Surah Al-Zalzala, short surahs, but reflecting upon it is much more preferable to me than rushing through the entire Qur'an at night. Of course, they also spend a lot of the time at night in worship, something we should think about. You know, worship of Allah is not out of fashion. Rather, it is the fashion of the people of faith. What, What is their garment? It's a garment of devotion to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Taqwa is never out of style. But this is a critical element, right? Spending that time reflecting, reflecting on Allah and His attributes, reflecting on creation, that anything you see, this is Allah's creating. All people, they're Allah's creating. All events, present and upcoming, these are all Allah's creating. To nurture that meaning of la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And also to reflect on what does Allah seek for me, where He has placed me. What does Allah seek for me, where He has placed me. The fourth reason, and I won't go, go into the reasons for the silence of the Prophet ﷺ in full, but Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib mentioned the fourth reason for the silence of the Prophet ﷺ. That the Prophet ﷺ would be lengthy of silence, partially out of reflection upon Allah and His majesty, partially out, out of a sense of His awe of Allah, but also he'd be silent, reflecting on the maslaha, on the best interests of his ummah, and how he could convey to them the good in the best and most beneficial of ways. That's one of the causes for the lengthy silence of the Prophet ﷺ, according to Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib, Allah Wajha. Right? To be silent, reflecting on how we can be of benefit to others. And not just, okay, what, can I, what good can I do? That's not the way of the Prophet ﷺ. It's not just about, let's do some good. The sunnah, as explained by Sayyidina Ali, the sunnah was not just to reflect on what will be of benefit to others, but what will benefit them in the best of ways that will be of the most lasting of benefit for them in this life and in the next. But what does it require? It requires embracing a little bit of stillness. Embracing a little bit of calm, of avoiding rushing things, and make the most of those moments. It begins with the prayer, that when you pray, 
embrace a little bit of silence after the prayer. Pause for a moment, take a deep breath, and think about Allah. Think about His attributes. Think about His creation. Think about your responsibility. The ulama say these are four basic things to reflect about. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His attributes. To think about Allah's creating. And that everything, not just tangible things, but people and action and events, it is all Allah's creating. Thirdly, think about your responsibility. How you can fulfill your duty to Allah in a manner that is beloved to Allah. And think about how you can fulfill the trust, the prophetic trust of being of benefit to others. None of you believes until they truly love for others all that they love for themselves. Our faith is not complete without that. So we reflect on it. But reflection is heavy. There's a fourth reflection that gathers these points of reflection together. And that is reflecting on the beloved of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. After the Prophet ﷺ passed, one of the things that the Sahaba would frequently do if they passed each other by, and this is mentioned by Imam al-Bayhaqi in his Shu'ab al-Iman and by others as well, that they used to tell each other, تَعَالَوْ نُؤْمِنْ سَاعَةً Let's get together and believe for a few moments. And they would remind themselves of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They would be lost in reflection on the beloved sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Once Sayyidina Aisha was waiting for her father, Sayyidina Abu Bakr siddiq radiallahu anhu anha. And he was seated in the masjid of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Dealing with people's problems and disputes and giving advice. Where, where the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would be seated. Now, most of us, if we're waiting, we start fidgeting. Let me check my phone. Let me do this. Let me do this. Or start worrying about, you know, our worldly what-ifs. But Sayyidina Aisha started reflecting that that's where the Messenger ﷺ used to be. They start thinking about how beautiful he was ﷺ. And she remembered the lines of poetry about the Prophet ﷺ. Said, by the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ when he was just a child. أَبْيَضُ يُسْتَسْقَ الْغَمَامُ بِوَجِهِ ثِمَالِيَ الْيَتَامَ عِسْمَةٌ لِلْأَرَامِلِ That beautiful, right? fair and beautiful, so beautiful, that rain is sought from the clouds by the beauty of his face. The, the protector of orphans, the shelter for widows. And this was said about him when he was a child. Because he had that nur and that radiant good that was recognized even as a child. So she was lost in thought so much that she didn't notice that her father had finished. And he came up to her and he nudged her and said, Oh Aisha, what were you thinking about? And she mentioned that I was thinking about Rasulullah wasallam, And I was thinking about those lines said by his uncle. And both of them began crying. And Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq said, Eh, wallahi kana kathalik. said, by Allah, that's how he was. 
sallallahu alayhi wasallam, right? And this is something to reflect upon, right? That you're sitting waiting, think about the beloved of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Think about how he would respond in these cases. You're in trouble with someone in your family, and who isn't in trouble with someone in the family? So it's one of those constants. Family is love and fear, right? So you, you want to go and reconcile, but instead of going there with my ego, go there with the beloved sallallahu alayhi wa Think about how would he deal with people. Think, get, lose yourself for a few moments in thinking about the beloved sallallahu alayhi wa Make some salawat with reflection. And then go. And you'll find beauty and light and belovedness through that. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He make us people of reflection. People who reflect on Allah and His attributes. People who reflect on Allah's creating. That everything is in the hands of Allah. People who reflect on our responsibility to Allah and our responsibility to Allah's creation. And finally... To reflect on the beloved of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah beautify our actions by making us mirrors of something of His noble light. Aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullahu alaykum fastaghfiru innahu kafuru rahim. Thank you for listening. To- if you like this podcast, we'd appreciate if you left us a review on iTunes and Google Play. Help Seekers Hub spread the light of guidance to millions around the world by supporting us through monthly donations by going to seekershub.org slash donate. Your donations are tax-deductible in the U.S. and Canada.